Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Meepleville Meets. And guess what? We have oh, our first repeat guest. That's right. So joining us today, back to Meepleville Meets, please welcome Richard Arado Ham. Hello, Richard. Hey, everybody. How are you doing today? Good to see you again. I'm doing okay, and I'm happy to be back. You are getting better and better with every episode of the show. I have to say, Tom Vassell Ooh. and I were talking about it the other day. Just what a great job you're doing. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. I appreciate both you and Tom being on the show. Um, it was it was very great of you to do that and support the show. Um, and your video is number one. I mean, people just love it. Love to hear from you. <laughs> you're, you're a great guest. Um, so one of the things, one of the reasons I wanted to have you back, I noticed, is we had a fantastic discussion last time because you were wearing a shirt that said Black Lives Matter. And we talked mm -hmm. about how you were supporting it. And I uh, really appreciated the fact that you were like uh, putting that message out there because of your brand and all that kind of stuff in all your videos. And then I noticed all of a sudden, I still see you have a Black Lives Matter pin there, but now yes, you have a yeah. shirt that says no more guns in end gun violence. Ah, there you go. Or yeah. No more end gun violence specifically. No yes. more. And so, yeah. So I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. I wanted to hear what your new kind of platform is, or not, not new platform, but an additional platform, I should say, um, about ending gun violence. Okay. Well, actually, I mean, I, to me, the two are really interlinked in a lot of ways. And it is, you know, I started out, actually, I should say, I started out last year when I was such a huge Andrew Yang devotee while he was still in the presidential race. And um, so I started wearing mask shirts all the time. And I was really afraid that was going to give me a lot of pushback because oh, I was infusing politics in my show, but everybody seemed to be fairly cool with it. And then I got a couple more Yang shirts, like in the LGBTQ version of humanity first. And, and that was all fine. And, you know, and then George Floyd's happened. And I decided, you know, as we talked about in the last episode, well, I, okay, I need to step it up. I mean, uh, and, you know, I've had success with this other stuff in the past. Let me put on a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. And uh, the world exploded, you would think, from the uh, amount of stuff that came my way. And I thought about stopping, but I'm like, no, the, you know, whatever pushback I'm getting is so inconsequential compared to what so many people, you know, live every day. It's the least I can do to just keep putting on the shirt and just keep trying to normalize the message. And, um, the, you know, as, as I got more and more feedback, mostly positive, mostly overwhelming, great shirt, Rado. We love it. And, you know, that's always heartening to hear, you know, I, I would get some, we talked about this before, what about isms about, well, what about this? And what about that? Are you going to wear a shirt for everything? I'm like, maybe I should. So um, this was the second shirt to make it into my rotation. I also have a, a Make America Green shirt and a Free the Uyghurs Tibet and Hong Kong shirt that I'm starting to cycle through just so that I've, I've got, you know, all the messages I care about are represented on my show. Because, again, I, I think it's in it's in all of our best interests. We are all humanity. We are all interconnected. Uh, the suffering that somebody else feels, even if we don't feel in our day-to-day -day lives, it still reflects on the world we're in. And it will come out and touch us at some point. So um, it's the least I could do to try to champion these messages. And this one is very near and dear to my heart. Um, uh, my dad was a huge gun nut uh when he passed on i mean and we found out just how many guns he had which we uh you know ultimately sold off because we had no use for any of them i was i was shocked i thought i knew my father for most of my life and i didn't realize that there was this 
whole other side of him. And but then I started talking to my mom, and uh, you know, my mom, who's the you know, the sweetest, uh, most liberal um, person you can imagine. Uh, she said, "Oh yeah, yeah, I really like him too." Um, you know, she grew up. She was actually in her teen years a state champion for marksmanship with rifles and stuff like. And there's a picture of her in the local newspaper as a teen girl brandishing a rifle. And it's like, oh my gosh, this was so eye-opening to me because I've always, I'll admit, uh, like any red-blooded American, I of course I like gunplay in movies. I, you know, I, I won't deny I grew up playing cowboys and Indians, which of course is problematic in its own right, but, you know, playing with play guns. I never thought twice about it, but as an adult, I've always been so taken aback by their power, uh, you know, their destructive power, but also, you know, the, 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 they're, it's, all, it's almost like they're celebrities. It's almost like America yeah. is a gun cult on some level because it's so deeply ingrained it into, is. well, you know, as many would like to point out, into the Constitution, although not really, it was it was an amendment, but still, and um, you know, you know, it's, it's part of our manifest destiny that we took this land with a gun on our hip and all of that. Okay, because I want to like, I, I want to really dissect this issue a little bit, and I want to stop you for a second because you you, you made a statement before you go on that um that I, I want to explore a little bit and of course we're going to continue this conversation but you had said how oh your mother was very liberal liberal this and that and but you're like wow she loved guns yeah. so my question is why in essence are you saying or did you believe that somebody who's extremely liberal couldn't or shouldn't like guns because it, it do you see what I'm saying it seemed no, like no it's a fair point it's a fair point Okay. Um, and it's it's it was you know, like we talked about this on my last appearance in the show too. I mean, I I am still learning new things about myself, about my family, about the world every day because right. I'm I'm still trying to keep my eyes and ears open. And you know, and that could include my own biases. I mean, my natural assumption. Actually, if you'd asked me about my dad, I wouldn't have been sure. But my natural assumption would have been that my mom would have found guns abhorrent because there is a preconceived notion that, oh, if you're, if you're left-leaning, you're, you're out to try to take all our guns. You know, because that is the narrative that the NRA has drilled into people's heads for so long. And um, my mom, who is very left-leaning, I think I probably get a bit of that from her myself. You know, I mean, obviously, I'm a child of nature and nurture. She nurtured me. It probably helped me uh, find my path in life. I just had this natural presupposition. And to find out that, no, she really, enjoy, I mean, obviously she has problems with what they are doing with modern society, but her response is, yeah, they're just really a lot of fun. And she had a great time as a, as a teen. And I think it continued into her college years, just shooting guns for fun. And uh, she was telling me about how, you know, uh, late in my dad's life, uh, my dad was trying to share, you know, kind of reinvigorate that love of her and taking her out to the gun range and stuff like that. Now, it was very shocking for her, I think, to do that because, you know, her time as a as a fan of competitive uh, rifle shooting in her teen years, that was all with, you know, just like low caliber 22 rifles and whatnot. And the first time she actually felt, you know, a nine millimeter or a 357 or something like that and fired them off. I mean, I don't know what your experience or your hands on with guns is, Tim, but I've actually done a fair bit of shooting at the range as well mostly for research from back when I was making video games. And yeah. I made a lot of games with guns in them. And I wanted to be, uh, it's actually, it's ironic. Man, 
I should say, I have no prepared statements today at all. I'm just oh, no, that's all totally fine. That's totally fine at all. But, but I will okay, so you know it was in video games. Uh-huh. And um, my first big hit was Siphon Filter, uh, okay. which was at the time a very bloody, violent gun uh, game. I mean, I was trying to recreate John Woo style, um, you know, gun ballet in video game form on the original PlayStation. And uh, my wife to this day, uh, you know, she just kind of like shakes her head every time she thinks about a lot of our early success in life was born on the back of, uh, you know, making a very violent gun toting game. And but the ironic thing is, when I originally made Siphon Filter, I had never fired a gun in my life. I didn't know anything about guns other than what I'd seen in the movies. And the uh, the way I designed them in the game was made them more like movie guns than real life guns. And it wasn't until I'd worked on Siphon 2 and Siphon 3 that I actually went out to a gun range and spent a day shooting it like, oh my gosh. the Again, the power. Um, you know, it's, it's just shocking. The first time you hold a gun and you pull oh, the no. trigger and you're expecting it. You're braced. But I mean, it, it, it's it's like there's a little freight train in your hand, and no, I can absolutely. totally get, I totally understand the rush. There's no doubt that there's a rush. You feel that power emanating through you. You feel like it's an extension of you, and I can understand from my limited exposure why it's a it's a almost an aphrodisiac for some folks. I mean, yeah, that it's so compelling and and so engaging. And, you know, obviously there's so much about gun culture and, and uh, you know, customization and all the latest technological things. And there's, a, you know, there's a whole society. There's, there's uh, people wanting to get together and share their appreciation and love of guns. And right, right, right. But hold on, hold on. Right. Yeah, yeah, true, true. However, yeah. and again, um, I'm glad we're having this discussion because I, I want to try to like really, really, you know, like uh, get this out there. So, I just want to make sure that you're with what you're saying about yes, people feel the power and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. That there are plenty of other things in life that people feel the same way about and have the same passion for. So yes. guns, I don't. You're not saying. I mean, are you saying that they're a little bit different? And there is just a little bit of of, of uh, feedback coming back. I don't know if you oh, have your speakers. Oh, wait, hold on a second. Let me. Uh, is that better? Yes. Oh no! Actually, it'd be you bouncing back. Are you okay? It's still there. Just a tiny. All right, then. Is it good? Yeah, it's good. Okay, okay good. <laughs> I can still hear you. I just had my volumes up to eighty. I just dropped you down to fifty. Okay, good. So I'm, I hope we didn't miss the point there. But I, I, you, you, you do agree that there are other things in life that people have the same passion for, feel all this kind of stuff that guns are. But are you saying that guns are different than anything else? I would say. Yeah, anybody can get obsessed about anything. I mean, look at you and me, Tim. We are obsessed with all. Of, look, look at what we're talking in front of. That's true. It's human nature to find something that you yeah. get really passionate about and, and really define yourself by it. And I think that's a good and healthy thing. I mean, I've talked in the past about how I think humanity as a whole would be better off if the first question I didn't ask you is, "Well, what do you do for a living?" But instead, "What do you do for fun?" Because I think yeah. that defines us more. And okay. so, you know, on one level, guns are just another thing you can get really enthusiastic about. Yeah. But the problem is, these things aren't literally built to kill people. That's the purpose a gun serves. And so, being an enthusiast for something whose sole purpose in life is to kill and destroy life, I do think there is a problematic element to it. Although, I'll be honest. It wasn't until I lived in Texas for a few years that I really started to come to grips with that. In my 20s, I didn't think twice about it. Like I said, I made a super hyper-violent game all about shooting and killing people and racking up the body counts. Um, And it was interesting. When I was in Texas, 
Because before I was in um, Oregon, which also has a very strong gun culture too, but I just wasn't really exposed to it. In Texas, there was a story, a news story I watched that was really shocking to me about the very, very high percentage of highway patrol stoppages that led to um, uh, the, the driver brandishing a gun against the officer. And how that that high potential, because... I mean, I have no idea what the statistics are. Um, in a given state, is there a gun in one of every five cars, every 10 cars? It's probably pretty high in this country. I probably should have done some research before I got on. But that it was changing the way, and this was back in the uh, the early 2000s. It was changing the way that law enforcement was going about their job, was approaching any kind of interaction with anybody, even if it was a little old granny or, um, or, or young men or black men or white men. It was across the board. It made them always approach the civilian who they are sworn to serve and protect with a, a, a twinge of fear that that person might have a gun. Because in America, there's a decent shot of that. And over time, I think a sizable portion of the tragedies we see today, I mean, we are filming this on the 30th of August, um, you know, just just days after it was a Jacob Blake, the Jacob Blake shooting, yeah. yep. uh, you know, seven times in the back, unarmed, uh, just trying to get into the car with his kids and at point blank range, shot in the back. My assumption is, at least in part, that is a tragedy born of the fact that those officers believed he's probably going for a gun. Um, it, it and, and, and whether he is or isn't, I can't take that chance. I have been trained to protect myself first. And how do I do that? With a gun. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. And this, what we are seeing today is a culmination of literally centuries of our country's love affair, like no other country in the world. Um, so much so that it is enshrined in our founding document, or some would argue it's enshrined when in fact right. that's open to interpretation at best. Um, and I think, uh, that, yeah, I mean, police, a lot of their behavior is explained by fear. It There's is other stuff going too. There is racism. Right. There are um, socioeconomic issues as well. But a lot of it is just fear of us because look at us. I could no, have a gun under this table right now, and it wouldn't be that surprising. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. Hold on a second, because we're, we're we're straying a little bit off the subject. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. You're, you're starting to go into like the the whole police thing and all that, and we can we can cover that. We can definitely get to that. But I I, I want to kind of make sure I I yeah. stop you at certain points. Okay. And a lot of the time, a lot of the things I'm asking you, Richard, is because I want to make sure that we have an open discussion because there are people on both sides, all sides, whatever. And I just want to you know sometimes play devil advocate, add things, and sure. you know because to have a nice discussion here. And and I just want to. Talk about the point you said about how the gun was made to kill people or kill something, right? I mean, that was it. Yeah. I mean, however, strictly speaking, most of them are kill people. Yes, you could argue they're also made okay. for hunting. But right, right, right. But however, the majority of guns on the streets today, that was not there. And that, that's not what they were manufactured. Right, right, right. But also, all I want to try to get to is we, yeah. shouldn't, we shouldn't label all of guns or people who use them with that intent because for example and tell me if i'm just way off base here a car a car was invented for transportation but now people use it to race and people to do that so just because something was maybe invented for a specific purpose doesn't mean it has to be tied to that purpose yes or no sure sure but at the end of the day as you said a car was built for one specific thing to for transportation that is the sole purpose of a car now a car 
can be weaponized, as we have seen. It can be uh, turned into a killing device as well. But that is not woven into the DNA. Its sole purpose, its original purpose, I should say, to exist is not to kill people. It is an aberration of the purpose of a car to kill someone. It is not the aberration of the core sole purpose of a gun to do bodily harm. That's uh, like it's quite so inflammatory. I mean, because obviously a lot of people look at guns as, oh, no, I, I don't want to kill anybody. I just need it for self-defense. There's a there's a huge gamut. There's a, a you know wide range of views on this topic. And um, you know, and this shirt, by the way, doesn't say take guns away. It just says in gun violence. This is a movement that was born by the kids in Florida. You know, they really got it kicked off a few years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, which is, which is more, which is less about, oh, trying to take all our guns, trying to, you know, trample all over our constitutional liberties. This is more about just common sense gun safety that the rest of the world, or not the rest of, but a sizable portion of the rest of the world has kind of gotten down to a pat. And, you know, in, uh, you know, what was it in the, I forget what it was in the UK, there were some major gun you know, massacres in, was it the late 80s or the early 90s? And so the UK government, instead of saying, nope, 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 well, there's nothing we can do but offer our thoughts and prayers, they banned handguns. And they, they you know, the UK has very strict and stringent gun restriction laws, which is why cops in the UK, in, in England anyway, um, walk around without guns. They don't need them because you don't have a heavily armed populace. You don't have a populace that has been raised to um, believe it is literally their God-given right to carry guns for self-defense because they really don't need them. There's outliers, of course, but um, uh, to me, that was a very sane response to an insane event. You saw the same thing happen in our lifetimes in Australia uh, and in New Zealand as well. Um, in Germany, there are all these other very prosperous countries Faced with the threat of gun violence, as guns become easier to get, become more lethal, um, you know, with, with, you know, with uh, faster fire rates and more powerful ammunition and all that, as the industry has evolved, these countries have evolved to address it. We have not. We have dug our feet in and you know done a, a few, uh, you know, a, a few minor. Things. I mean, there are some gun checks, but they are easily gotten rid of. There's no checks on ammunition. Of course, anybody can get ammunition anytime they want. Right. Um, you know, so it, we, we just have the, uh, as a as a as culture, we have a love affair with guns, and right. I and understand that, that is problematic to have a love affair. It's like saying we have a love affair with sarin gas. I am sure there's probably some scientific use for sarin gas other than killing people. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. I literally just grabbed another deadly thing that humanity has made. <laughs> okay. And if we as a culture said, oh man, we got to get our sarin gas on, the rest of the world would look upon us in horror. What's wrong with those Americans? And they do with our view of guns. I know this because I lived in Europe for 15 years. Right, right. Yes. No, okay. But, 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 okay. So here's the thing. Yes. yes. Guns exist. They are out there. Plenty of people misuse them. Yes. But if people don't misuse them. A, a I should say a minority of people misuse them as well. The vast majority of gun owners, I'm sure, I don't have the statistics, but I would bet money the vast majority of American gun owners are very responsible with their guns. Oh, no, absolutely. And I, I would, would, I would that too. Yeah. But here's the thing. What we're trying to get to yeah. is uh, what your shirt says <sighs> is the ending the violence. Okay? Yes. So here's the thing. And... 
I don't know if necessarily there's a direct correlation between the amount or proliferation of guns with violence. Would you say they are hand in hand? The, the, um, I would say, I would think it's, it's a pretty safe corollary to say increased availability of lethal firearms can directly lead to increased fatalities. The easier it is to get a gun, the easier it is to harm someone or to harm yourself for that matter. That's another form of gun violence, by the way, True, true. um, is just how incredibly easy it makes um, people be able to make an irreversible decision in a moment of despair. No, that um, okay, yes. you know, I probably wouldn't have ha- wouldn't have gone to if it wasn't just sitting right there in the drawer and you know in your under your kitchen sink. Right. No. Okay. So I got you right there. So yes. now I I, I want to try to really make sure that we 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 sort of stay on topic and we talk about ways to maybe end the violence because yes. yes we can sit here and maybe talk all day about guns and how they kill and all this kind of stuff but let's maybe talk about a potential solution or, or probably see. I'd like to bring up two points in this thing, and we can discuss them in any order, but I'd like to try to get to both. Number one, the sort of availability. It's like, we know where guns come from. We know the people who make them. We know who makes the bullets. So you would have to argue that it starts there because we know how we can stop it per se. I mean, there's still guns out there. You know what I mean? But we know how they're made. It's not like grass where it's just wild and people can get it anywhere. No, guns are made. We know where they're made. So that's number one. Second is... To me, I think one of the big things, and we found out a lot about these mass shootings and stuff, is healthcare, which is mental health. So sure, I'd like to sure. really talk about two of those things as they directly relate to gun violence or ending gun violence. And I'd like you to pick which one you'd like to start with first. Um, oh, geez, whichever one you like. Um, <laughs> there you go. Is mental health care issues around gun violence and was it, was it availability? Well, yes, because again, I've always thought, well, wait a second. We know where guns are made in a factory. So if regulations are there, like, hey, you can only make X amount of guns or every gun has to somewhere put a laser thing so you can trace it back. I mean, there's ways to do things. I mean, that's a whole other discussion, but we can sort of modify the amount of guns that are coming out because we know how they're made, where they're made and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, at the end of the day, let's not forget the thing that's driving all of this is money. It is the fact that, you know, the guns are a very lucrative, they're very expensive, and the NRA's sole purpose is to ensure that people continue to buy guns as much as possible so gun manufacturers can continue to be hugely profitable. I mean, there's no two ways about that. That's what's driving all of this, and they have just found an easy niche because of the Second Amendment that they can piggyback off of. And that's why any reasonable attempt at gun control is fought so virulently tooth and nail because at the end of the day, um, it's not about personal liberties. It's not about your God-given or your constitutionally appointed rights. It's about, well, that could lead to less sales for us. And that's a problem. I mean, because here's the deal. Gun manufacturers, gun ownership in the United States has been on a steady decline for decades. Since the 50s, it has been steadily dropping more and more and more. Or I shouldn't say um, the, the, the breadth of gun ownership. Fewer individuals own guns now than they did in 1950. Or at least, I don't know if that's true. I, that was true up to at least like 
I don't know, the, the mid, the mid teens, you know, 2014, 2015, maybe things are on an upward slide. I haven't seen stats in quite a while, but I remember being shocked by this, that in 2013, 2014, fewer individuals owned guns in America than they did in like 1955. But, um, at the, at the same time that, you know, that you say, Oh, that's a healthy thing. That's great. Um, more and more Americans are realizing they don't need guns to live their lives. Um, you know, maybe they should spend that two or three or 500 or a thousand dollars on something that will make their family lives better in other ways. That's fantastic. The gun manufacturers know this too. So they want to continue to make profits in a capitalist system. So what can they do? Well, let's stoke the fires. Let's get that smaller and smaller audience to buy more and more and more guns. You remember um, the huge spike in gun sales before Barack Obama came into office in 2008. Uh, Obama's going to take our guns and overnight sales skyrocketed everywhere. That wasn't a ton of new people going out and getting guns. That was just existing gun owners grabbing more of the same because they were afraid it was going to be taken away from them. And those fears, those irrational fears are stoked by someone trying to make money because you always got to follow the money. I hate to be so cynical, but in this case, it seems pretty straightforward. And, um, you know, the reality is there are so many common sense things that could be done. Like uh, getting back to ammunition. I remember a few years ago, I think, I don't remember the specifics. There was a uh, a thing that California was trying to pursue to every single bullet casing getting some kind of... No, no, no. What was it? It was something about bullet casing getting identifiers that would tie them. Oh, no, no. It was this one. Every new gun was going to have to require a little bit of technology that when that gun fired, the, um, the ID of that gun would get embedded into the shell casing so that it would be much more easy to track for law enforcement, um, you know, the gun and therefore the, the registered gun owner of every shot fired. And the Here's argument against that yeah. was, oh, it's a slippery slope. That's one step away from taking our guns away. And it's also, oh, that's passing um, more cost onto the gun. Because, of course, this extra tech would make guns a little bit more expensive, um, which to me is like uh, complaining about that we charge more taxes on cigarettes which are, were, are such a huge contributor to the overall health cost of the country. Well, yeah, if you want to smoke, you have to pay a little bit more because you're making yourself and everyone else around you sick. So mm-hmm. the fact that the NRA would so fight tooth and nail against such a common sense, I mean, that's just cool technology that they can do that. No, I know, um, that you know, every bullet can be traced back to somebody who owns that gun. And that's not necessarily the person who fired the gun or whatever, but still, that's amazing. And they would fight against that. Because at the end of the day, that fights against their bottom line. And I mean, to, at least that's my opinion. And that's what okay. drives it. Right, I, right. Prohibition in America, we tried prohibition yes. back in the roaring 20s. And we proved um, with whichever, was it the 18th Amendment, I think? I think that said, okay, nope, alcohol is done. It's bad for us as a society. We, that clearly didn't work. If people wanted it, they went out and got it. And all that happened is you criminalized behavior. Right. I would fully agree that it would be foolish of the federal government to think that we could issue any kind of prohibition on guns on mass in this of country. Course. Right. But that simply wouldn't happen. And that would just criminalize ownership of guns. And I don't think any lawmaker is pursuing that agenda because it's just out of touch with reality. That's it, it, it won't work in our country. Right. Um, but 
even as something as simple, um, like, you know, they, they now have technology that can register, you know, can be installed in existing guns so that only the owner of a gun based on a palm grip, not fingerprints, but an actual palm grip, only the registered owner of that gun can fire the gun. Why would anybody be against that? How could anybody argue against that? And yet the NRA, and therefore, um, because the NRA says it, really diehard gun advocates and also the RNC fight tooth and nail against that. And to me, that's just common sense. If we have the technology okay. to do that, and that could lead to directly saving human lives, yes. why wouldn't we? I agree with a lot. I, I agree with a lot. Of, and that's what I've always thought, too. Like I was saying, we know the factories that make the guns, the bullets and all that kind of stuff. So there are ways and all kinds of true. So but what I do want to sort of is maybe put a stamp on a certain yeah. point uh, about what you're saying and what we're talking about. So inherently, um, I do agree about how it's the corporations, it's capitalism, it's about making money. And you also did say, made a good point, which is a fact, the vast, overwhelming majority of gun owners and people who do like guns and participate with guns are great people, good people, responsible people, all that kind of stuff. My so, parents were. I think right. my parents were great people. Right. So the, 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 the truth of the matter is it's not necessarily a people issue that people should not maybe be allowed to have guns or use guns because it's more or less the corporations and sort of systemic, like we talk about systemic racism with Black Lives Matter, at gun misuse or gun proliferation has become systemic correct yes i would say so um you know there are a lot of things we could talk about we could talk about open carry laws and you know the the kind of psychological impact that has on you if you go into a taco bell and there's somebody walking around with an ar-15 i mean honestly to me that is unacceptable in modern society I mean, at some point, we probably have to talk about the Second Amendment and what it really means. But at this point, I am happy just siding with the Supreme Court who said, you know what? Yeah, maybe it was originally about militias, but we'll extend it to just saying home ownership that, you know, that it, it will allow for that. Open carry laws, just walking around the street, you know, brandishing guns, trying to intimidate through that power rush that you get from holding a gun. I mean, it makes you feel strong it emboldens you it makes you feel unaccountable it you know that's that's the psychological impact when i've held these things i've fired these things um and yeah i i think there's a lot of lot of things personally having lived in the uk for almost 10 years and we talked about this i know you love it too yes we uh, did. Yeah. i i love you know their very common sense response is well look okay we appreciate you want guns uh you know a populace of England and Scotland and to a lesser extent, Northern Ireland because of the troubles and all that. Um, we appreciate, and, and Wales and all that. We appreciate you want guns. Here's how you're going to do it. Um, because these are deadly, dangerous things, you've got to prove to us that you can handle it. This is no different than a car. Cars are potentially dangerous, deadly things. And you and I have not just had to pass a very simple, you know, tick box background check to be able to drive a car around wherever we want. We had to get training and we had to prove that that training had sunk with us before we were allowed to get a license that would let us drive a car on public streets. That is correct. Nobody says that that's outlandish or unreasonable because cars can be very dangerous. You know what's more dangerous than a car? A gun. 
And yet we fight as a society tooth and nail against just a similar um, licensing structure. I mean, well, they fight tooth and nail against even simple background checks or closing the gun show loopholes and all that, which is ridiculous. But it's it's equally ridiculous to say that, yeah, you need more time and training to drive a car than to own and fire a gun. They, they should be equivalent. And that's, to a certain extent, what the UK has done. Um, you know, you, you, you right. have to have an extra, and, and I believe you have to keep re-registering just like with your driver's license. You have to re-up your driver's license every once in a while. You have to do that in England with guns as well. You have to keep on um, re-upping your license. And then on top of that, they say, right, okay, you want a gun. We'll give you the means that if you really want it, you can get it, but you have to prove that you can handle it responsibly. There's nothing like that in our country. And there's just no good reason for it. Right. True, but they say, now, what do you want to do with this gun? Right, but again, you want to kill people? No, then you probably don't need a uh, a semi or full automatic, um, you know, military style rifle, do you? Because right. you need that if you want to kill somebody. True, but if but, but you want again, to engage in target practice, you can have a gun that looks like that and feels like that, but only shoots twenty twos. Which make no mistake, twenty twos can be lethal as well, but they are so significantly less lethal than you know, um, you know, full. Uh, you know, ammunition that, that right. we can just get. I could order, I could go online right now and spend a hundred bucks and get 200 bullets and no one says boo. And it's just right here. I got 200 ways to kill somebody. Now all right. I just need is the gun, which is not going to be hard. Enough. So I, 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 I love that because it, it, it treats the gun with respect. It recognizes that the guns are powerful and that they should be wielded appropriately and that you should have training in the same way you have training to do anything else that has the potential to harm someone in our society. And they say, okay, you've got the training, you've proven it. Now, do you want to protect your farm from foxes? Okay, you can get a shotgun. Um, But I think it's like no more than like, I don't know. Yeah, it's like, yeah, because it's like two barrels. You can have a two barrel shotgun. Do you want to have target practice? Well, you can do that just fine with a twenty-two. Um, do you want to uh, have a gun that you can carry in your a pistol you can carry in your back pocket? No, you don't need that. Right, but, but That's again, not Richard, something you need right, but in again, your it's, life. It's one of those because things. as soon as we let you carry a pistol around in your purse, then everybody can carry around your purse, and then it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy that you need it. If we don't let you carry that around in the first place, then you don't need it. Right. So. They ban handguns. They ban um, semi-assault and, and full military-style rifles. They but, but, let you have anything you want if it's a twenty-two. They let you have shotguns. Uh, they let you have sporting rifles because that's so... Well, there's a whole different subject about... Oh, yeah, we don't need to go into that. I'm sure you're familiar with your time, too. But that, that's mature. That's just grown up. And that is a system that puts people over profit. And it puts... No, it, it, it's, over it's, you know, the gun makers' livelihoods. Right. No, I agree 100%. I mean, I, I, I'm with you there, yes. And I don't see any reason why people would argue that. And again, we have right. to admit that a lot of the bad stuff, a lot of the crimes and uh, things that happen that are gun-related are by, I would I would dare argue again, the vast majority are either by untrained, unlicensed, non-responsible people, whatever it's unknown, I'm not quite sure. Anyway, uh, stuff like that too. But or I people who are trained but live in fear. Right. But, but, but here's guns create a, a atmosphere of fear in our society that That's you true. might have However, and I should draw first. The one thing I may not agree with, and I'd like to yes. talk about it because I, I could okay. maybe uh, 
I'd like to just, you know, maybe rethink it or thought about it. But like you said, I, I'm not sure I agree with, you know, you should only be limited to X amount, X amount, X amount. A tw- you want a target practice 22. You want uh, the kill foxes, a shotgun. Because it's the same argument could be made for you and what's sitting right behind you. You know what, Richard? You don't need another worker placement game. You don't need that. Get a deck of cards and be happy. What's so- a worker placement game in t- built? <laughs> constructed and sold for the sole intention of no. murdering human beings? No, no, Rich, I understand. But what and I'm I saying think, is... I, I, if you're making the slippery slope argument, I just don't know that it holds water. But continue. I'm sorry, I, I, I interrupted. No, no, no. The argument I'm just making is, is if, again, if all of these systems are in place for what you're saying, responsible... like So why shouldn't that responsible, licensed, trained person be able to increase to get any kind of firepower that they want to if they are that trained, professional, responsible person. We could go slippery slope in either direction. Um, okay. But I would argue there are all kinds of things that we are, by law, not allowed to have in our society. True. Um, and some with good reason, some with bad. I'm all for... Uh, you know, complete drug legalization. I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous, the war on drugs. Uh-huh. But you and I have grown, spent our entire lives in a culture that has been fighting a war against drugs, that has been issuing prohibition against drugs. Um, and while that's certainly wrong-headed, uh, because, again, it's if you go all the way back to the demonization of marijuana and all of that, again, it was money. It was the fact that you had this basically wonder crop that was hurting cotton sales. So we have to villainize marijuana. And that's basically what leads to our society we have today. It's it's always comes back to how can we make money? Uh, It's crazy. Oh, I hate saying that out loud. I really don't want to be so cynical, but it's kind of hard to avoid sometimes. Um, But I do think it is reasonable that um, if we are a society of laws, that laws can exist for the greater good. And that there are certain sacrifices we as citizens can make to ensure the, uh, you know, the, the greater, you know, the, the life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness of everyone. Um, and if the federal government could make an argument for the existence of worker placement games leading to direct human pain and suffering. I'd be open to the suggestion that, yeah, maybe no household should have more than three worker placement games. Uh, you can't make that argument, but it's very statistically easy to make that argument for heavy killing machines because that's that's the fundamental difference. And so when people make the argument that, hey, I need something for hunting, for recreational sport, you know what? That's that's great. Get your 22 or 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 or. Get um, your long rifle, your bolt-action long rifle. That's what the UK does. If you want to go shooting, then be a real hunter and, um, and just use your, your slow bolt rifle And um, you know, because that's keeping society safe, that you would have a very hard time turning that on your fellow citizens with any level of efficacy like what we have today. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's fine. Go ahead and do that, says the British government. If you need to protect yourself from, from pests, that's fine. You can have a shotgun because really you can't do much with it. Um, if you show up in Trafalgar Square with a shotgun uh, that you have to keep reloading every two rounds, you're not going to get very far. That is a compromise that British society has made to say that, yes, we know that you want to be able to fire you know, 100 rounds a minute 
or you know 20 rounds a second because you know that's just something that you enjoy for fun and they we will give you a compromise you can have one of those it fires 22s keep it at a gun range you can't carry it around in the middle of downtown london we will compromise with you let you get that thing that you want that that thrill that rush that sense of excitement of going full auto on a target at a firing range you know ie being responsible but in a way that doesn't directly lead to or that that certainly cuts back on the potential for widespread human suffering well yes in in a sense however at yeah. the end of the day i, I just want to make sure we don't stray off topic with the also, end- well, actually before no, i go no. further i should say i point to england as a great best case scenario for the for the usa okay. which is completely not even remotely achievable i should <laughs> in case that wasn't clear right i mean to me that's a great they have achieved Amazing results. If you compare and contrast their gun deaths per capita versus ours, it's, right. it's incontrovertible. I know that's impossible with our culture versus theirs. Although to be fair, Australians had a pretty similar "we love guns above all else" culture too, and they were able to turn themselves around. I don't know why they could and we couldn't, but that's a topic for um, sociologists to discuss, I suppose. Okay, um, but, but, but now listen. But, okay, now, but I want to throw this back at you. Okay, because, yeah, yeah. If you're saying, okay, there's a limit, boom, X amount of guns is this. My question is, again, to make sure we're staying on topic with the end gun violence, how is that, whether or not somebody can get an AK-47 or not, how is that directly relatable or how does that end or stop diminish gun violence? This this is where I'm 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 not quite sure. Like you're saying, like like holding holding water, holding the argument. How is that the limitation on the scope of the weapon going to end the violence? Well, you have to then take a look at the particulars of the violence itself and what comes about, because it's not like I'll just keep using the the you know, England as the gold standard. It's not like they don't have criminals. It's not like they don't have bad actors who would like who who feel compelled to do harm to others to further their own ends. Uh, you know, a crime is a universal human condition uh, that's true everywhere, and yet it's incontrovertible that when they do not have ready and easy access to military grade firearms, that directly leads to fewer gun deaths. Um, it's interesting what England worries all about all the time. And there's a much brouhaha and, and sturm and drang and arguments on both sides is knife ownership. That's what they're worried about. That's what they have political battles about is, are you allowed to carry a knife? Um, and I would put it to you in the case where you identify a bad actor, be they British, be they American, be they Bangladeshi, whatever, um, you know, it's immaterial. This is human, human nature. Um, if they are prepared to harm others and they have ready, easy access to a more efficient tool to achieve their ends, it's just, it's getting back to board games. Human, all of human progress is striving towards efficiency. If I am prepared to hurt someone to get what I need, should I do it with a knife or should I do it with a gun? 
Well, if they're equally available to me, I'll choose the gun. I'm going to do it anyway. If the gun is not available to me, then I'll go with the knife. And as it turns out, I can't do as much damage in the same amount of time to society with a knife. No, I agree. I agree 100%. But the only the only thing that I, I think is, to me, mm-hmm. the main sort of solution to what you're talking about isn't necessarily the type of gun. It is, I think, to solve the problem, correct me if I'm, if you don't agree or I'd like to hear your thoughts, yeah, yeah. is the chain of command, as we talked about. That is the solution. Because when any type of weapon, whether it's a one-shot weapon or a 22, like you're saying, gets in the wrong hands, that is, we, we know by facts, statistics, whatever, that is the vast majority of uh not responsible people because the, the majority are good. They're good gun owners, all that kind of stuff. But when they get into the wrong hands, they are misused. So it's more a chain of command problem than it is an actual type of weapon problem. I would say, why not both? <laughs> There's no particular reason not to address both. The uh, chain of command, as you suggest, I'm not saying, oh, look, we solved the problem by taking guns away. One, because we fundamentally can't do that. I mean, right. that's just, that is totally off the table. Like I said, I'm drawing parallels to England. That's just idealized um, uh, inspiration that we could take for, or at the very least data points so we can see, look, if we were to remove guns by and large from society, this would be the result. And the result is pretty fantastic. However, that is not going to happen in our society, period. Um, But it doesn't mean we can't take that information. And it's what I was talking about. What can we do within the confines that our culture will allow for? And there are Many, many things we can do. One is, um, you know, stop making it a state's issue and make it a federal issue. The um, the amount of leeway on a state-by-state basis, what is and isn't allowed in some states versus others is ridiculous. This is definitely, um, you know, I mean, guns kill indiscriminately. It doesn't matter if you're Coloradan or Californian or Floridian. They'll kill you all the same. And so that seems to me to be something that should be regulated at a higher level. Um, you know, much tougher... I mean, crimes committed with a gun, obviously having a gun tax more time on, but I think there's a lot more that can be done. I mean, that's certainly another thing that England is very, very aggressive about is um, if you, if you're, if you have a handgun, when you commit any crime, you know, that's an instant five. Some states do this. Some states don't. I would say this should be something more across the board. At the same time that we are emptying our prisons of all the ridiculous drug offenses that we have, um, I'm more than happy to say, if you bring a gun to a crime, um, you are you are clearly you know indicating intent. And now, to be fair, I know things like this exist on some laws in some states, but not everywhere. The complete inconsistency uh, about concealed carry and open carry, uh, stand your ground laws. Um, what are the what's Wisconsin? That's what everybody's talking about now. The Castle Law or the Castle Doctrine. Every right. state handles this a different way, and it's absurd. Um, you know, it was one thing you know, hundreds of years ago when we first started out that we were just a weird mishmash of, uh, of, of little fiefdoms or fiefdoms, all these different States. And we all had our different way of approaching things. Um, we're a big country now we're a big boy country and we can set big rules for ourselves on a high level. And so I would certainly like to see that, um, being something that's stressed and using technology every time another piece of technology comes along that can make guns, not eliminate guns, 
but simply make them safer as a culture, as a society, instead of fighting against it, how about we embrace it? How about we get excited about these things that technology can do to limit the danger that we all live in? No, absolutely, absolutely. So the other question, the point I was talking about, because it's it's sort of it's the the, the two points I wanted to make were sort of that old expression where they say uh, guns don't kill people, people kill people, right? I would I mean, amend that to <laughs> people with a gun kill people, right? But okay, people but, without a gun generally don't kill people very often, right? But but the the fact is. You need the marriage. <laughs> you got to have a person. You got to have a gun. So what I'm saying is we're talking about how you think the gun part of ending the violence should persist. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Chain of command, blah, 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 laws, all that kind of stuff. Now let's move into, because you sort of brought into it, so it's like a good transition, into the people part with mental health. Because yeah, again, yeah. it's the same statistic you would say and again i'm sorry folks i don't have the number i don't know if you do richard but again no 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 i, I would dare say like, I, I knew we were going to talk about this i thought about getting up and, and getting a whole bunch of statistics no, but, but no oh, you don't man, need to, it's just so you depressing right no. but no but but the point i'm trying to make is again I'm, I'm probably the vast majority of violent crimes with guns or this that blah 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 are either irresponsible or people who maybe have a mental health issue because again there are great gun owners they're responsible there's the vast majority are so let's talk about how the mental health aspect with the guns can help end gun violence um well i mean to me that comes about I, again i've I, as we talked about last time, we are both Anglophiles. We both want to grow old and die in England, in, in, the, in the sunny, rolling hills of Devon. Um, and so I always end up going back there. The, you know, it, it comes back to more than just a cursory, oh, let's just have the FBI do a quick background check to you know see if you have a criminal record or what have you. Or just go buy a gun in a gun show and no one's going to say boo. And you can just, I mean, there's nothing stopping anybody period, if they have the money from getting a gun in our society. And that's ridiculous. I cannot go out and get what, what other deadly weapon can I just go out and get? I mean, yes, I could go out and get a bow and arrow without um, having to prove that I am authorized to use it. But what other tool do we have in our lives that has such an incredibly high lethality rate? that you can do so much damage so easily and so fast that we do not ensure people have to prove and reprove over and over again. Like I said, the closest thing I can think of in our day-to-day lives is cars, that they are actually responsible to be able to wield that great power. Right, but let's not... Well, I mean, I there must be something else. Right, I'm, I'm having a hard time coming up with something. I said let's... sarin gas, that's a ridiculous one. There's probably really good ones. We can't have right, nuclear but... bombs either, of course. But let's not, um, let's, not, but... let's not put the chicken before the egg. And what yeah, I mean yeah. by that is, is yes, how about you saying how people can go to gun shows and all that kind of stuff and get guns mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. However, you got to think that that person who is doing that has grown up and they're at least a teenager, let's say 18, 20 years old. So again, let's make sure we stay on this point about violence with the mental health. What if a lot of these people in their growing up formative years, 
I'm not saying they all had, you know, bad family lives or whatever, but maybe the mental health is part of that. So as well, they, that's, yes, exactly. as they come into adulthood, Richard, they maybe not feel the sense that they need a gun or want a gun or to hurt or whatever it is. But that's what I'm saying. Before we get to them purchasing it, what about all the way up to that? Point? I completely that's agree. That's a, we could do a whole nother show on this, but our society's disdain for mental health and people who would actually seek help as a form of weakness is a really big cultural problem. It's something that I think on a generational level is starting to change. You and I, I mean, I'm looking at you. You must be in your 50s, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm 56. Me too. We grew up in an age where we were still told, I I can't speak for you, but I was told, boys don't cry. Men don't cry. Um, You know, if I had a, a if I had a little son today, I don't think that's a message that is necessarily drilled into their head anymore. That right. um, you know, it's okay to be open with your feelings. It's okay to be honest about things that cause you grief. You know, I think every time I see people railing against PC culture, you know, political correctness, to me, being politically correct is just you being polite. Just you acknowledging that the power of your words can impact somebody else. And you know what? I could say, I could get my idea across with this particular phrase, um, which could cause mental anguish to somebody. Or I could get the exact same idea across using this other one. And so why not use the one that doesn't um, you know, traumatize somebody, that doesn't trigger past events they go through, that doesn't make them uncomfortable or feel unwanted? Why is that why am I shamed and called PC or social justice warrior if I just want to refer to somebody by a gender neutral pronoun? Oh, and I, oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. Don't okay. Get on topic. Don't get on topic. I do not in any way, shape, or form imply that um, you know, gender issues or mental health issues at all. I, it's just more about look, we can be aware that other people are going through things. And rather than dismissing it out of hand as saying, you're different or you're weak, how about we embrace them and say, well, you're you, and if you're having problems, how can I help? And if that could be more of our first go-to in responding to someone that's different than us, that thinks differently than us, then we could have a society that is more open to the fact that, uh, yeah, having a therapist in your life, there's nothing wrong about that. They are not a sign of weakness, and you should just suck it up buttercup and I have it tough and you don't see me um, taking a pill. You know what? We all have different things going on. And um, yes, just societally as a whole, you know, I I will admit, I'll admit my own bias. Every time I hear some 20 year olds say that, well, you know, I was talking to my therapist about this and I can't stop myself in my head. I have a, you're 20. What do you need a therapist for? And then as soon as that goes through my head, yes. I say, shut the F up, head. That's right. You're from a different generation. And that's bull to think that. That is totally unfair. And and I, I just, no, no, no. I am happy for whoever it is that's talking in whatever video that they have recognized that they just wanted a little help. They wanted someone to talk to. They wanted somebody to help carry that load. Right. So again, animals, we're all in this together. I shouldn't think ill of you if you approach things in a different way than I do. And so wrapping all that back to um, to the the gun issue and mental health um, in a society where admitting 
to or acknowledging or recognizing any kind of mental health issue is a sign of weakness that primes us to say as a society, well, okay, you know, that's all just malarkey. That's not real. Um, You know, this is all just PC nonsense. And it's okay. Go on ahead and give Randy a gun too. And it's like, I, I think the complete and total divorcing of the mature and responsible um, allowance for the use of that sort of firepower uh, is divorced from the reality of, of the lives people lead because of these longstanding um, you know, tropes that we grew up with. And right. that I, I, again, I cannot say enough how happy I am that I do think this is generationally something that is changing, that right. we are becoming, I mean, Sopranos is an incredibly important show because it helped normalize in a tiny way, the idea of therapy for the ultimate tough guy. <laughs> um, Tony Soprano uh-huh. needs therapy. Maybe it's okay for me to get therapy too. Yes, and okay. maybe it's okay for me not to be ashamed of the fact that I need therapy. Right. And, um, you know, and if maybe if we can address that on a person to person basis and on a societal basis, too, we can have a more healthy um, gun management or a policy as well. Absolutely. Mental health is very important. So now I want to go ahead and continue this conversation. And folks, in case you don't know, um, Richard and I know each other well and we have conversations and we're, we just want, we want to be open and talk about stuff. So I'm going to drop something on you. And no, no, no. Because- there would be no dropping. Here it comes, folks. Oh, no. Get ready, Richard. Here it comes. I'm about to drop the hammer down on you because I am going to um, be the person, say, watching this show who may have this thought. And I'm like, okay, he talked a lot before about the NRA, capitalism, making money, blah, blah, blah. That's what it all comes down to. Well, he's a big hypocrite because. Let me finish now. He worked worked for a video game company that he fully admits this game with bloody violence, shooting all this kind of stuff. So the hypocrisy comes in you promoting this gun violence. Now, okay, we talked about now we're on the issue of mental health. We talked about the gun. We've sort of not really resolved that part of it, but we we had the physical part, the gun part. We moved over to the mental health part. Now, you by what you did with the company, making this video game, making a lot of money. We talked about that before. You helped proliferate and sort of normalize, maybe dehumanize the killing of people, the usage of guns. So how would somebody watching this, or maybe I'm just going to ask you the question, how would you answer to, in essence, a little bit of hypocrisy because you made money off of gun violence? I would say guilty as charged. Make no mistake about it. I would say I am not particularly proud of that element of siphon filter. Uh, um, And later on in my life, Brink, too. Now, obviously, I was in the video game industry for 20 years. So I am very well versed in the topic of do violent video games directly contribute to uh, increases in violence? And that has been repeatedly, repeatedly disproven that there's anything that When someone is playing a video game, even an excessively violent video game, or for that matter, watching an excessively violent movie or or whatever it might be, that even from incredibly young ages, even from near infant ages, we have the ability, um, you know, psychologically and mentally to distinguish fantasy from reality. So, and I've always believed that. And, you know, I mean, again, the stats back it up. However, 
what I have also, not always, because I'll admit, in my 20s, I wasn't thinking about this. I was just thinking, yeah, guns are cool. Let's make a cool game. Um, I mean, I, I mean definitely. Uh, this is something that I have grown into and grown up with. What I think is repeated exposure to violence doesn't make us more inclined towards violence, but it does make us a bit more numb to violence. It does make us, as a society, much more comfortable with watching video from downtown Portland of really violent, horrific acts of people doing stuff against other people or downtown or in Wisconsin or wherever you want to pick and say, yeah, that showed them. And I do think that there, there is a problem there um, that repeated exposure to violent acts be, because seeing other people do it, it is still removed from me. I'm not going to do it because I played a lot of Call of Duty back in the day. It doesn't mean I'm going to start killing people, but it means I'm not quite as taken aback when I see similar things in real life on the screen. Right. And I do think that's a problem. And I do think it's something that my former industry has never wrestled with and really should. Um, you know, I um, I spend a lot of my time in my videos about board games railing um, against publishers who introduce problematic content in their games with you know in a in an immature way. Uh, you know, just including uh, you know dark subjects like colonization without contextualizing them for the audience, so the audience has a better understanding of. Let, let's let's remind ourselves what we're doing here when we're playing. You know, uh, you know, pick any colonization game you want, uh, Endeavor or what have you. Actually, that's not fair. Endeavor does actually make it clear. Endeavor does a good job of it, I think. But most games don't. And I will often point out that, you know, the onus is on the publisher to inform their audience that, hey, yeah, we're not going to shame you for having fun playing this game. Um, We're proud of this game. But we do think it's important that as you are consuming this game and you are enjoying this game, that you have a greater appreciation and understanding of what this game represents. And I do think on some level, I'm not quite sure how, but that is something the video game industry could reckon with as well. Yeah, but hold on a second. I'm okay, I will. Because, um, okay, we're going to go just a little bit more because we're, we're, we're at an hour. I don't want to make these videos too long for people to lose attention, <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff we, I, we've got to cover. But I, I'm almost hearing a cop-out and a justification. Okay. And I want you to tell me why I shouldn't be hearing that because... I'm almost Where hearing, do you hear it? I'm, I'm hearing you saying about how, like you're saying about the colonization of the board game, how the publisher should say, oh, but here's the context. Don't feel bad about playing it. That you're going to be saying the same thing as the video director, public, you know, whatever for your company. Oh, you know what? Here's a disclaimer because you're shooting and killing I people. I don't know the disclaimers do it. Okay. So all I'm saying is it sort of sounds like a cop out. Well, go ahead, kids. Kill people, shoot people with the guns, blow them up. But don't re- equate that to real life gun violence. That's our disclaimer, but I'm still going to stuff my pocket with yeah. tons of money. That's not what I'm going for, though. Have you seen the new HBO show Lovecraft Country? I have not. Okay. Well, I won't do any spoilers. Uh, okay. This is a great show. Yeah, please if you don't. don't mind, you know, really hardcore horror. Okay. Um, you know, and you know, lots of gory violence and stuff like that. Um, but if you're at all familiar with it, it is basically set in um, the 50s in America, and it's about a uh, a black group of characters who find themselves basically thrown into the middle of a Lovecraftian Cthulhu esque horror story. 
Right. Um, but it is told against the backdrop of, of Jim Crow era 50s American racism. Right. And it basically combines these two elements. And the interesting thing is there is a very early scene where the characters are talking about, yeah, I used to really love reading Lovecraft. Uh, yeah, I grew up loving it. And yeah, and yeah, it was really great. And, um, you know, and, 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 I, and I mentioned Lovecraft specifically because of, you know, the association with board games. There's so many popular board games that are put out every year because the Cthulhu mythos is public domain and everybody loves it. And it's just kind of become a thing that our industry really gravitates towards. Right. But completely ignores the origin of the Lovecraft mythos with his extreme racism. And this show, uh, on a symbolic level, by melding the horrors of his uh, of his works with the horrors of the world that he created them in, one, I think, works on a almost subconscious level. But more importantly, there's an early scene where they just directly come out and say, by the way, in case you, your whole life, uh, you, you, and they're not talking directly to the audience. They're, they're using each other's characters as a proxy for the audience. Let me tell you just how racist he was. Let me tell you, um, you know, what his mindset was when he created these things so that when you continue to watch the show and appreciate the thrills and the terror and the grotesquerie of all that, this came from this particular mind. And I think contextualizing that with real impactful historical information, this is kind of what I'm talking about. I'm not just saying it's fine to say, by the way, kids, guns are bad. Um, you know, just like it was no better in the eighties to say, um, you know, this is your, this is your brain on drugs, you know, with the, with the cracked egg and all that. I am suggesting that it is incumbent on us to make the audience within the work itself appreciate what, um, what, what, what their actions, um, what, what their actions, um, do in their virtual world and how that translates to the real world. No, just, I, yes. I'm sorry, Richard. I mean, I, okay. I, I sort of hear you justifying. I mean, and what I mean is justifying I don't, what? Well, here, here's what I mean. I don't under, I don't know the, did you, was it, was it called shine your video game or what was it called? Uh, um, oh, the original was siphon filter. Siphon filter. I'm sorry. Exactly. I, um, but I did see, I know what like a Grand Theft Auto is, right? About you sure. pull people out of cars and you shoot them, I guess, and do stuff like that or whatever. Yeah. I, I still don't know if you've answered the question, at least okay. for, me, for me. Okay. I, I, I don't find the justification for the gun violence in video games. I don't mm -hmm. see, I, I don't see the correlation, what you're talking about with the Lovecraft thing. I, I, to me, it mm -hmm. still seems like people are saying, okay, you know what? We're going to portray these images of people shooting and killing using a gun violence, using gun violence, making it a play form, a play art. And we're stuffing our pockets, but we're against gun violence. I still don't feel you've answered that for me. Well, my answer to that is, let's see. I, I, I want to try and get this right. Okay. So I'm trying to think it through instead of just, I tend to spout the first thing that comes into my mind, in all honesty. Repeat that for me again. That there's just, uh, there's too wide a gulf. I mean, so are you suggesting that there should not be guns in video games? And then no, if no, I no, suggest no. anything other, yeah, because I'm, I'm kind of, I, I, I'm, I no, definitely want to address I'm, it. I'm suggesting to me. Yes. It sounds like a little bit of hypocrisy because okay. you on, are, part. on your part, because here yeah. you are saying there's this organization, the NRA, the gun companies, you know, making money, lobbyists, stuffing their pocket. That's all it's about. Yeah. But 
you are producing an extremely violent video game of people using gun violence, yes. but yet you're still stuffing your pockets, but you're against gun violence. So I already admitted I was a hypocrite at 20, although I wasn't. My 15-year-old okay. self compared to my 20-year-old self, it's true. I have evolved on these issues over the remaining 30 years. Okay, so so in essence, you would feel- I wouldn't make siphon filter the same way if I were making it in my 50s as I did in my 20s, if that's okay. what you mean. But as far as culpability, do you uh, do, would you accept the fact that a video game pump company who maybe makes games and promotes the gun violence and shows that because that, that leans towards mental health is the exact same culpability towards an organization like NRA or a gun company because they're both they're both contributing to equal sides, the physical gun and the mental health, the person part, the gun and the people because you need them both to to act. They're both culpable, yes? I culpability. I don't think siphon filter directly led to any deaths. I do not believe I am personally responsible for the death of anybody because I made a video game. If that's what you mean. But I do believe gun manufacturers do have blood on their hands, um, especially because they go out of their way to try to make their guns more efficient and better killing machines for the sole purpose of being better at killing. And they fight tooth and nail every attempt to try to limit that lethality. And because of that, there is culpability. They are knowingly putting people in harm's way. When I made a video game in my 20s, one, I do not believe anybody has ever cited Siphon Filter as a cause for any kind of direct violence. Um, And gosh, I can certainly tell you, if that ever were to come to, and, and this would be even at the height of my braggadocio 20s, if, that, if it ever came back to me that that were to have happened, that would have rocked me to my core and probably changed the entire course of my life, quite frankly. Right. And like right. I said, over the ensuing 30 years, I have evolved on it. Like I said, I could imagine making a siphon filter today that still featured gunplay, but that did it in a way that... um it's tricky. It's a real, I'm not quite sure. It would require experimentation. It would require artistic expression to at once make, to help minimize that numbing effect, which I believe is definitely something that can happen, that it yeah. can numb you to the effects of violence you see on TV, to try to address that without sensationalizing it. Because certainly what you could do is say, oh, you know what, let's just show you what every single bullet does. Um, and, uh, you know, so you could do that, but then, you know, that would just kind of titillate even more like a uh, mortal combat. I could also say, Hey, every time you kill somebody, let's now cut to their family and let's show you, um, their wife and kids or their husband and daughters or, you know, and, and you know, all the, the pain and suffering. Well, let's give you, I, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying that's reasonable because obviously no one's going to want to play that game, but here's an example. Um, Years ago, <laughs> one of the last games I was going to work on before I left Texas to wait, go wait, to wait, England. Wait, wait. Let me stop you for a second. Let me stop oh, no, you. no, no, because I really want to talk about this one game that was going to be very violent, and I was very excited about. It. But, uh, uh, but we'll come back to it. No, because again, like you just said something that because well, to me, because you said nobody's going to want to play that game. So it's kind of like if you water down and you take out all the violence and you take out all that. Oh, kind no, no, of, no. I wasn't saying that. I was saying leave the violence, but then literally interrupt the violence. Every 30 seconds with a five minute cutscene showing the effects of that violence, that means no one will play the game or they'll skip the cutscene. And therefore, that attempt to try to address the numbing factor would fail. That was my yeah, point. But, 
But let's take out what you have right on your shirt. Let's yes, okay. Out, let's take And for out, a reminder, this is why I have on my shirt. Correct. Let's okay. take out the word gun. All right. Okay. okay. And violence. Yes. So don't you so you're you're you I don't see how the justification there is by having a violent what am I justifying? The, the violence. I am justifying violence. Correct, because there's a there is a. When did I do that? What did I say that justifies violence? No, no, no. I'm saying about these video games that that's what their core is: violence. When it's did not- I say that I justify violent video games? In well, what way you, did I say that? Because if, if I said in- that, or I inferred that, or I implied no, that, and you inferred it, no, I no, was no. not no. speaking clearly. No, no, no. I'm saying by making them and provoking them and designing them, that is assess- in essence, which I don't do anymore. Which you don't do anymore, but right. it's still done, and you did. All I'm trying to, I'm trying to make the point that yeah. that is a contributing factor because it doesn't. Don't you think it's very impressionable on the young people that, again, take out the word gun, but just the violence, how these video games. Okay, yes, it's, it's, it's the same violent. thing I'm talking about. I believe, although as far as I know, there are no studies that back this up. So this is pure subjective hypothesis on my part, based on my right. own life experiences. I believe there is a numbing effect. Um, to indirect violence. I believe that being a huge fan of boxing or ultimate fighting, you know, and just watching it religiously and following it, or professional wrestling for that matter too, which obviously is cartoon violence, but it's still real violence. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that makes the consumer of that entertainment more likely to go out and do violence in real life. I worry, with actual no statistical backdrop, but I worry that it does make them more comfortable with the existence of violence that is kept distant from them. That if they, the more they see repeated, the more they consume violence, the more they're like, ah, well, you know what? The violence on the news, that's really no different than the violence on the TV show or on the the sports. It's all the same or in the video game. And I think, I believe that's true. I do not base this on any fact. This is just my life experience. I believe that to be the case. And I believe the creator of these entertainments, I'm not saying they should stop doing it. I would be the first to admit, Die Hard is one of my top five movies of all time. I love Die Hard. And I would not want to see it watered down. I love it for the titillating thrill. I love it in part for the violence. I will not deny that. It's kind of hardwired into our monkey brains that we, you know, that, you know, it it fires endorphins as we see these things happen. Uh, It's it's just, it's just nature. But um, getting back to video games specifically, I do believe it is possible for someone who is creating these sorts of works to do it in a less casual way in a less cavalier way. And I would be the first to admit, I was very cavalier about the violence in my video games. And I believe moving forward, it is possible for developers. And let me give you an example. Before I left Texas to go work on Fable, the last game I was going to work on was called John Singleton's Fear and Respect. I basically spent several weeks in South Central Los Angeles hanging out with John Singleton, as did several members of our team, you know, uh, you know, spending a lot of time in black neighborhoods, talking to gang members, talking to, you know, um, uh, victims of violence, you know, going to all these places, getting tours from experts and really digging deep because I was super excited about the fact that we were going to try to make boys in the hood for the video game industry. Okay. And how better to do that than literally work with John Singleton? 
And he was actually going to bring in Snoop Dogg. And that was going to be our lead character. And that was, that was super exciting. It was really, really amazing this was going to happen. And, um, you know, and we spent a lot of time talking about, look, we don't just want this to be another game that just trivializes or, um, you know, sensationalizes the violence. We want this to be real. But if we make it too real, no one will play it. Um, and therefore, any lessons learned, any moral tried to, that we try to get through is lost. So how do we... Um, straight that. And one of the ideas uh, that actually came from Laurelin, who was actually the lead designer on um, a, a, what was it? A full, not Full Metal Jacket. Oh, anyway, this is ancient history. But Laurelin had a really cool idea of the opening of the game starting with a uh, a, uh, a, 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 a a fatal encounter between a police officer and a gang member. And, you know, and this plays out right from the get-go. And the game itself rewinds twice over the course of the game to tell the story of how that gang member got to that moment and how that police officer got to that moment. And we would pursue it less as a shooter-type game and more as a, uh, uh, you know, kind of a choose-your-own-adventure sort of experience. And that was kind of the pitch. And I was very, very excited about that. And it wasn't that the game would exclude violence. We would still have violence because it would have been part of either of these characters' lives. But by actually trying to contrast and compare these two characters, um, you know, the, obviously the underlying message would be how they are more alike than different. And how ultimately what seems like just another little titillating moment of violence in a game is an incredible tragedy. That was, going to, that was one pitched attempt to try to bridge having violent entertainment that isn't um, sensationalistic, but actually has something to say about that, that could maybe counteract that numbing effect. I'll go one step further. The last game I worked on, I started with a very violent shooter game. I ended with one, Brink. Although Brink was oddly significantly less violent than Siphon Filter ever was, even though, and I am, was that a reflection of me 30 years later? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but um, that was a game, it was a science fiction scenario where, again, right from the get-go, you choose two different sides of a conflict. On It's kind of a post-apocalypse. There's this uh, floating city, and it's cut off from the rest of the world. There are immigrants who have come here. They are over, um, you know, there's not enough resources for everybody to go around. They start to revolt for better treatment. Obviously, you can see there are parallels to the real world that we were trying to draw. Actually, this was years ago. So we were actually trying to draw more um, parallels between Israel and Palestine. We we're trying to kind of set this up almost in a, you remember classic Star Trek, right? Um, trying to address social issues in the guise of fantastical oh, science. A little we were bit, trying a little to do, tell the same story. And the whole point was you play the game through twice from each side of the faction. And... Um, Either both times you spend your whole time in this little miniature civil war killing the other side. And our hope was having played through both sides, whichever side you chose to play first, you would be presented with certain truths that seemed very straightforward and made every action you do justified until you played it from the other side. And then you saw from the other side, first of all, what they think they are doing is justified and what, you know, the, that we called them, um, oh, security was, you know, the, the founders and uh, regardless. So we were trying to do two sides of the same coin. And this was an example. Now, I'm not going to say it was successful. In fact, I can say it wasn't because we had severe budget restraints and we weren't able to do near as much storytelling as we wanted to do. And we had to compromise and all that. But that was our goal that we were trying to say, look, we can, I'll be honest, we can kind of have our cake and eat it too. We can still have the diehard-esque thrills and fun ride, but hopefully Having gone through that fun ride, you wouldn't walk away from it with a 
0.02% less likely to be impacted by violence you see on TV. Because hopefully it was violence that made you think, that made you reflect upon the violence that you yourself were a part of. To me, that is one, having done it now, very challenging to do. Um, and two, uh, responsible. Uh, it is the way, it is the difference between 50-year-old me, although this is the time was 40-year-old me, and 20-year-old me. That you know, I, I, I made a super violent series of games. And then I went off and I made cute platforms and I worked on The Sims and I did all kinds of stuff that was a million miles away from that. And I knew if I was ever going to go back at some point in my late 30s, early 40s, I decided if I'm ever going to go back to a shooter, it just can't be more titillating fun ride stuff like what I did back then. I have to do better. And so that's what I set out to do. Okay. And whether I succeeded or failed, I tried. And I do think that's something that all content creators can be more aware of. And I think, to get back to where I was, it is definitely something that is on the minds of the showrunners of uh, Lovecraft Country. Or for that matter, the showrunners of the Watchmen miniseries, also on HBO. Um, okay. I'm not saying I'm anywhere. I mean, I, I, I am not as talented as those people, as, the, uh, as those creators. But I do think that is a way to address that hypocrisy. Okay, okay, okay. Um, again, we, we've covered so much. And I just want to make sure uh, we, 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 we have, we covered a, a lot. And, and again, folks, thank you for watching these. I hope you're enjoying the discussions because again, we're, I'm, we're trying to, I, you know, like make sure, because I'm one of those kind of people. I like to hear all sides. I want to, yeah. so we can have an open discussion, things like that. So in, in sort of closing out Richard, because I want to, uh, sort Shoot. of close this you're out. You're getting off scot-free. Uh, I don't no. get to turn the talk back on you, but I guess well, this is your no. show. You're the interviewer. Yeah, but but no. I mean, I, I know you were doing a lot of devil's advocate stuff and all of that. No, no, no. But but again, it's sort of those kind of things. Just I do want to bring up because so I, I how closing this out now. Okay. I want to kind of put these three topics, um, and I want you to kind of start from number three, number two, and I want to end with number one. Okay. What they are are, and you know, again, I'm sorry because there was a whole bunch I wanted to talk to you about because I I I, I went to your channel the other day and I uh, went to watch a video and I'm like, that's not Rado. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who's that? Mini Rado. It's me with dark hair and wrinkles and a shave. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about that because I'm like, oh, because I know we talked about it before how you were going to expand. We talked a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. And, and now you did. And I was like, oh, so we have, but anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe do another video. I hope you can come back. At, so, at this point, I am your most frequent guest. You are. Yes, you are. We'll see if I have to hold on to that title. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Because again, we, we were here to talk about. Uh, another one of your causes, the end gun violence. Okay. So the three core things that I'm hoping um, I wanted to try to get out to the audience, things I feel passionate about, the parts of it at least, I think are the main cores of the discussion. And I think Richard does too. And depending on how you rate them, what we talked about, what you got, I hope you got something. Maybe you thought more, maybe you thought less, who knows? So the three parts of our discussion, as far as ending gun violence, I took away as there are a people part, as far as mental health, yes, okay, there is a mental health and so- I would add to that just societal expectations around okay. that. sort of, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. Okay, not. All right. so, so, people, as far as mental health, okay, the actual gun itself, yeah, and number three, sort of why I didn't want to include societal is the systemic, and to me, hmm. that's almost a different, okay, okay, part. okay, yeah, 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 okay, because that because again, that brings in the concept, that makes sense, yes. That I should have waited till you got to your three before I tried to plunk yes, it. Yes, you should have. Yes, you should have. So, 
So, because again, you, we, we talked about the states, you know, having different rights, the federal, the constitutional, all that kind of stuff. So that's where yeah. I would cause these so, sort of societal, but the systemic part. So if you could, people, guns, system, start from the bottom. What would you think is the third most or least, I don't know, number three out of those three. Which of those three things need to be addressed with the highest priority? Is that what you mean? But yes, but go from three to one. Yes. Oh, rank those in terms of, of, of I mean, obviously all of them, but still. Correct, you, of course. You, but yeah, I mean, I obviously we want to walk and chew gum at the same time, but still prioritization right. is important in any endeavor. Right. So, and also, not only that, Richard, but I also sort of want you to put a, um, uh, and for lack of a better term, an elevator pitch or kind of just a summary on those three, those three things as okay. well. So out of the, so number three. Honestly, um, I'm going to say, or wait, am I, am I doing lowest priority to highest priority or highest to lowest? Lowest to highest. Lowest to highest. Okay. Oh. And again, you're right. It's easy to do the highest one. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's tough to hard to, all right, but okay. But nope, nope, nope. I will play your game, sir. <laughs> um, let's see. Lowest no, let's... priority of addressing of those three Arbinders. I think, I mean, across the board, it is going to be, I'm going to prioritize most highly where you can get literally the most bang for the buck, which by the way, there's just another example of how gun culture permeates everything. Half of all our common phrases have to do with shooting things. So (laughs) um, the lowest priority in all honesty, I would, the thing I would put off a little bit longer is systemic issues because those are going to be societal level, high level um, cultural things, the hardest ones to break through. Those are the things that I don't know that you and I could do in our lifetime, even if we were president and vice president. Yep. These are things that are generational. Like I was talking about earlier, the generational um, acceptance of mental health as being just important as physical health. So the systemic stuff, I'm not saying that there aren't lots of things to do, Um and it is, you know, it's it's public awareness. It is um, less states' rights, more federalization of issues um, addressed. I didn't get a chance to, oh, okay. But anyway, so if that's my number one, my number two would be um, the people because it's, it's, it's largely the same thing. Um, I think whenever you're talking about human beings and behavior, there's just something that's kind of squishy about it. And it's hard to get your hands on it. And it's hard to try to come up with universal solutions to problems when we are all snowflakes. And I mean that in a good way, not in a disparaging way, (laughs) that we are all unique and special. And it is very, very difficult to come up with universal systems that can apply to everyone. And so that's a much more complex problem that does need to be resolved, but is going to be tougher. And it's why I put the highest priority. And it's actually, I should have said this earlier, you have made me articulate something that I think I was just carrying subconsciously. The reason I focus on that more than anything else is these are just physical objects. These are nothing to do with human psyche or cultural norms that are huge, that are massive projects to deal with. Dealing with physical stuff is a much more approachable way. And my elevator for that is, um, you know, you know, smart guy. Well, I mean, uh, for my second one, my biggest elevator pitch is gun um, you know, a gun training, if you want to use a gun, you have to prove, you have to put at least as much work into being able to own and fire a gun as you do in being able to drive a car. At the very least, that has to exist on a federal level. And yeah. I mean, and that goes toward, oh, but the, the health issue, the mental health issue, again, that's a more societal thing. I am happy to see every day 
like I said, Sopranos is an incredibly powerful milestone show because it probably did more than anything else, certainly more than the Bob Newhart show, to normalize the idea that seeking mental health is a smart and reasonable thing to do. It's not a sign of weakness. That's a big part of it. But um, by the, I mean, I don't know. Actually, I don't know this. Is there a psychological component to gun registration and ownership in the UK? I don't know if there is. I, I've never really looked into it that deep. I was just shocked when I got there and I saw, oh, Bobbies don't have guns on their hips. How is this? And, right. you know, I got kind of like a primer when I first got there. So I, I think there's those can be uh, addressed on the medium level of trying to work with individuals, because the more we can address individual needs, that will ultimately bleed out into cultural stuff. And but again, we can do more to control guns. We didn't talk at all about non-lethal ammo. If um, yeah, we can't get rid of guns. We cannot get them off of our well, streets. That's well, yeah, you know, well, the, yeah, the, the, the cart has left the stable. But you know what? If they stop manufacturing ammunition, pretty soon the guns don't do anything. And if there were, I mean, I'm not saying this, I'm, I've not done any studies on this. I'm sure there are studies. I'm sure there have been pilot programs. Um, and I'm not that I'm saying rubber bullets are the answer because they can be lethal too, but they're a heck of a lot less lethal than regular ammunition. I could imagine a system where, you know, as part of that step two, as part of more thorough training and registration, yeah, you can have your gun and you can fire all the rubber bullets you want at the, but you know what, if you want real live ammo, well, heck, let's go back to the Second Amendment and say, you know what? That's only for registered militias, which, right. of course, is what the real history of the Second Amendment is. It's not supposed to be everybody and their and their aunt can have a gun. It's supposed to be so that states can maintain their sovereignty against the federal government. And everybody completely ignores that. Or anyway, it's neither here nor there. But there are so many tangible things we can do to physical objects in our lives. Um, and True. while I did say earlier that prohibition can't work, and I believe it can't work here either, um, we can do more for uh, control. I mean, New York, after what does New York do after uh, people start realizing, oh, look, we can use cars to drive into people? Um, they know right. they can't outlaw cars, but they can put those pylons in that makes it very, very difficult to drive a car onto a sidewalk and run over people. But, but here's the thing I just want to uh, sometimes I think, I, I think. And again, just the way I see it, I don't want to bring up another point. Uh -oh. <laughs> we sort of got to in the end. But no, because you keep bringing up about rubber bullets and ammunition, and all kind of stuff. But again, to me, the essence of your shirt end yes. gun violence. Yes. A rubber the bullet. End gun violence. Wait, a end rubber, gun. But a that rubber can't bullet. Happen. But a rubber bullet is not going to end gun violence. It is going to significantly, significantly curtail pain and suffering. In the same way that in the UK, giving everybody only 22 ammo, which is still which is still lethal. If you get a headshot, if you get a direct heart shot, you can kill somebody with a 22 if you're relatively close to them. Right. But the lethality is drops off so significantly. You live in Vegas. I'm sure you were living in Vegas at the time of the of the shooter that you had a couple Correct. of years ago. Yep. Right. If that guy had been up in that office and he had access to all the guns in the world he wanted. But the only ammunition available to him was rubber bullets. He would not have done anywhere near the amount of damage he did. He right, would not that, have sown the level of terror he did. Right. And, and, you know, and to me, that's the thing. Bullets are finite. If we stop them and replace them, if we start bending our technological know-how to something that allows people to still get, I mean, we talked about right up front, people want guns. I will admit 
I've experienced myself. They are just fun. They are empowering. They give you a sense of safety. They do a lot for you that can be viewed as positive. I'm not uh, dismissing that. I'm saying there are a lot of things we can do other than take your guns away to end gun violence. True. Not end. I mean, end gun violence. That's This is a misnomer. Um, I'm happy to pursue plans that will significantly and severely reduce gun violence. That's a good start for me. Okay. And again, I, I would just have your the, your uh, one and two uh, switched because yes. to me, again, I'm just I'm just a big advocate, again, by living oh, for in, mental health issues, for mental health, again, by living in England, how, you know, and it's pretty much all of Europe, too. Right. I mean, yeah. you work at, say, a gas station, 7-Eleven. I don't care what it is. But year one, you have six weeks of vacation. Because that's mental health, right? I mean, so that's a healthcare issue. So to me, I think if Americans or America did more with healthcare than things like gun violence and all these kind of stuff, would hey, I'll take it. I don't mean to. I mean, you made me prioritize. I want to do all three at once. Of course, of course. I, I won't yeah. argue against that. You're entirely right. That gets back to societal norms, expectations. Yeah. Yep, um. Yep. And uh, you know, just giving everybody a breather. I mean, not for nothing. What can help with this more than anything else? Anything else? I got to go grab my math shirt. It's UBI. I'm the okay. biggest proponent in the universe. I have been for years, ever since I first heard what's about the, it on the idea? Cracked podcast, of all things. Um, that has the potential to so radically transform people's lives so they have the freedom to take care of themselves. What is UBI? Um, you know, and we need it now. Or, or, or Universal basic income, sorry, is what UBI stands oh, for. Oh, universal. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... No, 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 that's not Richard. No, that, no, don't okay, get it. That's like a whole other topic. That's a whole other show. <laughs> see, folks, I hope you can see. People know I'm a Yang fan. I, I'm Yang Gang. I couldn't get out of here without throwing, you know. I have to keep raining him in. <laughs> He's driving down the highway and he wants to get off at another exit. <laughs> You've seen my show, right? You've seen me do run throughs. This is what you get if you bring me on the show, pal. <laughs> It is. It is. It's fantastic. And again, that is why um, you are, I don't know, I was looking at a couple of things today, number two or three, as far as the most influential viewed uh, board game reviewer in the world. Uh, uh, thank you. I, I do okay. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm up there. And again, yeah. you don't. You don't have to be humble about it, but it, I mean, this is a fact. That's what I was reading. I mean, you you are, you get that many views. You are that influential. And because people do like you, they do relate to you. And again, whether or not they agree with you, I like the fact that you are willing to accept it, to listen, to talk and do whatever and put yourself out there and really put forward uh, the kind of things you believe in. But Richard, thank you so much. I mean, it's always a pleasure. Um, and again, we're going to have to have you Where back. Where are we at? Oh my gosh, an hour and a half. Jeez, I please. know. I know that's I what I was thought we saying. were like getting close to like an hour or so. Yikes. <laughs> but that's why you got to come back because again, I want to talk up and again, it can be a while because I know you're, you're very if busy. If the audience will have me, let's uh, wait and see what the response is. No, of course they'll have you. And again, so here, I think this is what you sort of have to and need to do because you can't just necessarily wear a shirt, in my opinion, and make people or your audience decide what your thoughts are you see what i'm saying i mean i think it's almost imperative for you to sort of let people know your feelings for the message sure. you're trying to deliver so no well, I, that's no. like a step two the reason i wear the shirts okay. is i do think if every single board game reviewer wore a blm shirt and it just became 
de rigueur. It just became not uh, just standard. If everybody would openly, um, you know, proudly, you know, express their solidarity with the ideals of the Black Lives Matter movement, it get it gets to a point where well, that it, it, normalization leads to oh, it's just normal, and it, it I think it can change hearts and minds. But I agree that's not enough. That's why, in closing, folks, in case you'd like to hear some more of my blatherings, go to http colon slash slash. I'm sure you'll put this down in the show notes, blm.rado.com. Because ever since I started wearing my Black Lives Matter shirt, um, I've started getting so much pushback, so much interest that I basically created a very long um, list full of pictures, uh, um, you know, basically outlining all my thoughts and kind of doing a frequently asked questions. Right. So, and I just have that at the ready to hand out blm.rado.com. After this, who knows? Maybe I'll need a gun.rado.com one as well. Right. Yes. And and not only that, um, people, uh, you do put this up on podcast too, because you told me before, right? You'll take Yes. If you, yeah, I did that for the first one. If you're cool with me uh, doing this again, this will go Absolutely. on my podcast stream, which yeah. um, is a very popular podcast. Perfect. Rado so, talks through. There you go. You have a lot of ways to see uh, Richard uh, about board games, about social issues, about a whole bunch of stuff. But in closing, Richard, thanks again so much. I'm really glad uh, we had this chance to talk. I'm glad I got to hear your thoughts. And uh, this this was very informative. This was really good, and I really uh, I look forward to these. These are these are enjoyable. So uh, well, I got to say too. I mean, I my I just doff my cap to you. I mean, you are not just talking the talk. You're walking the walk. You are getting people to come and talk to you and talk about some things that. Maybe go a bit beyond the remit of some a show called Meeple. And I think that's amazing. I think that's fantastic. And because I know I've talked to you about this, that you have taken inspiration from others and realized, well, I can just sit on the sidelines or I can step up and do something. And I mean, it's amazing. I'm, 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 I'm talking about everything, but I'm just so proud of you. I'm proud to know you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's, just, it's incredible to me. I appreciate it. Yeah, because we are a community and it, it is. It's a board gaming community. And like we said, people... This is part of life. The gun violence, Black Lives Matter, all these things are part of our life. Yeah. Uh, so we, they need to be talked about and discussed. Well, thank you, Richard. And thank you, folks, for joining us again for another episode of Meet the Meets. And we'll see you again soon. Take care. Bye.